you hear is the machine down below makes that same metal grinding noise as it lifts from the ground. And everybody, please roll new initiatives as we enter combat. We are on the top floor, and this machine, as far as we know, is immobile. But there's a long way to go to the front door. Nine. Twelve initiative for Dr. Glass. Good old natural one for two. It's been a little slow. It's a 17. Oh, that's a six for Vander. The machine must have started up faster than anybody could have expected. The sounds, you know, we thought it was dead. And yet here it begins to power on its own without any cables attached to it. And before anybody knows it, everybody roll a dexterity saving throw as it charges up and immediately thrusts its entire being down to the ground, shaking the whole building and emanating a pulse of radiant energy that engulfs all spaces. 13 for Dr. Glass. Three. (laughs) The DC is a 17. Yeah, let's go. And if you fail, you're taking 16 points of radiant damage. Ah, divine light explosion happens and this time it doesn't seem like it is this controlled methodical protection machine it seems unhinged the explosion shakes all of the bricks of this structure whatever's happening now is in an overload mode it is in purely kill mode as everything around you starts to shudder Trevor whoa Nelly it's your turn okay uh well luckily with a short rest I'm I'm uh, refreshed. So, what I'm gonna do is I am turning my ass around. I'm gonna use my movement, and then from there, I'm going to use my action to dash. And then from there, I suppose I might as well use Step of the Wind to use my bonus action to dash and start going downstairs. Trevor, you make it to the bottom of the stairs, and that'll be my turn. It's all movement all the time. You hear from below. As something has just happened, but nobody's in sight to see uh, Dr. Glass. And if everybody is or anybody who is making movements, feel free to take all your movements now. We'll talk about actions as well as we get to your turn. Before I decide to dash, do I see any activity from like the node in the ceiling? It seems to be powering down. The glowing reduces the only light that that is in this entire place as even the machines start to quiet is this one protector. The protector itself. Yes. And it's not connected to the ceiling? It's not. That's bad. Um, I'm gonna dash and follow Trevor. (laughs) Okay. Esper? I would also like to dash down to be basically beside Trevor. I can get to exactly where he is. Okay, we'll get back to that. I land just out in the open because I have a 25 speed, so I'm just there. Okay. Vander and Nihilus? Well, uh, so I have a couple questions before I do anything. We all had to make dexterity saving throws, so Abby, did she take damage from this? 
you and Abby seem to work together. And based on how successful you are in your roles, Abby is pretty much equivalent. Okay, so I took the full damage, so I'm assuming she did as well. She did as well, and you see this time as a little blood bit of blood drips from her nose, she stands stalwart, ready to run with you. Okay, bandit. Uh, He was down on the first floor, presumably near this thing. In the distance, over the balcony, you hear, as bandit is nearby, growling at it, but waiting for a command. Well, the command I'm going to give him is sick him. Uh... (laughs) And get him up in there. And he's going to run towards this monster, getting there uh, in one turn, and on the next he can take an attack. Abby, I don't know what the hell this thing's going to do, but I don't want to. I don't want you to get close to it. Uh, I'm going to be shooting it from from up from up here. I, I hope you do too. And I'm going to uh, make my way over onto the third floor overhang. And do I have sight of it from up here? You do have sight. It is in range of a ranged attack. Um, though you do remember how resilient it is. I do, yeah. Uh, yeah, so for, uh, right now I'm just trying to distract it, I think. Uh, so I'm going to take, take a shot at it. Roll to hit. That's a 14. You sh- shoot from this distance. It deflects off of the thick metal hide and strikes into the ground. Shit. All right. We need to get out of here, Abby. I'm going to start running towards the stairs, too. Okay, go ahead and take your full movement. As Nihilus, what are you doing? Nihilus makes his way towards the edge, close to where Vanda was standing, getting a line of sight on the machine. He folds open his holy tome, and he starts to chant from it. Taurus, don't let me down now. He casts right above the machine a flaming sphere that twirls, and as a bonus action, he immediately slams it down. And as he casts a spell, he twirls it with a bit of aqua to it, making it a cold sphere instead of a flaming one. Please make me a dex saving throw. That's going to be... DC 14. 12. 12. As you fail, he will take a total of 6 cold damage. It's doubled. As the sphere goes down, you see frost starting to build on all of its mechanical components. Its movements all start to seem slower and inhibited. Are you doing anything else? The flaming sphere will continue to stay there as if it stays close to it at the end of every... Every one of its turns, it will continue to take more damage. As Nihilus will then try to take cover behind the wall, stay his position on the upper floor. Okay. Let's take it down quickly. I think we have to finish it this time. He ends his turn. The machine starts to raise its body back up again. It seems to be recharging this massive burst of energy that can strike the whole building. And this turn, it is going to use to continue that charge so that it can do it instead of every three turns so it can do it on its next turn, wasting its action. At the end of its turn, please make me a dex saving throw since it is still within five feet of the cold sphere. That is a... 16. Uh, he will succeed and take half, basically full, of 7 damage. Half to 3, so taken a full 6, including the vulnerability. Okay, he takes the additional 6 damage. Trevor. Alright. Trevor 
is going to keep running, running, running. How far down is uh, the second floor from the first? It is about a 10-foot drop. I'm going to use another bonus action to spend a key point and do Step of the Wind again to dash as a bonus action. And I am going to try and perform a... And, and this might need a little bit of clarification because jumping in Dungeons & Dragons is the most complicated thing you can do. He's going to try and make a, uh, a running leap uh, from the position where he is now uh, right to where the machine is. So it'll be a 10-foot drop, and with Step of the Wind, I believe my jump distance does increase by quite a bit. Please roll an athletics check. All right. Uh, that is a modified 20. You do a leaping jump off of this balcony, landing on top of this machine, giving yourself advantage on your next attacks. That's good, because the attack that he's making, he still has an action, uh, is basically on his way down. He spins himself in midair and pro wrestler style is dropping a huge elbow on this thing. Let's see if he does hit. <laughs> I say that now. Uh, that's a 17 to hit? A 17 will hit. You strike this machine from the top, pile driving down onto it. How much damage does it do? Okay. Uh, he does... Good old four points of bludgeoning damage. You deal the four points of damage as, although it was not significantly high, the... It, you still put yourself in a position of advantage on your next attack as well. Are you doing anything else? Uh, that'll that'll be my turn. That I did I did the most I could do. Doctor Glass. So to clarify, because the protector is large, uh, it's occupying spaces that Trevor is not. Correct. It occupies a twenty-foot cube. So Trevor's on top of that cube that it's occupying, attacking from above. Basically, if I positioned Shatter properly because it's a 10-foot radius, it could hit the Protector and not Trevor. Trevor is in the Protector's space. It would hit both. So an attack that's an AoE that will hit the Protector is going to include him. For simplicity's sake. I'll say, I'll say for the record and going forward, Trevor's always going to be fine with you blasting him. Yeah, but I don't think... Uh, Dr. Glass would be. <laughs> That's up to you. But just if it's ever a question of whether it's Trevor's okay with it, he'll always be okay with it. She doesn't have the time to think about it. And I think having seen Nihilus do what he just did, she would do Shatter, which I believe she can based on what Nihilus did. Again, stop me if I'm wrong. And uh, What's the range of Shatter? It is uh, 60 feet and does not require line of sight. Uh, so if I have to move a little closer, I can. You're not in range. You are horizontally in range, but you are also very, very vertical. Uh, you wouldn't be able to cast Shatter from here. The balcony is just too far. Great. That answers the question, then. She's going to dash down to the next level. Okay. Gotcha. And she's going to go all the way down. Okay. Uh, Esper, it's your turn. Esper's got a simple mind, uh... There isn't going to be much different from what Trevor has done. 
uh, going to run full distance, going to dash, going to attempt to leap down onto the construct. Please roll athletics. Yep. The only difference is that no matter what, the bonus action is going to be activating rage. I rolled an 11. With an 11, you're able to jump and make the distance, of course, because... You know, you have the athletics to do so. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to grab onto the side as you slide down, lowering yourself safely to the ground, not imparting the advantage coming from above. That's it. Movement, action, and bonus. Vander. I'm going. I'm going to whistle for Bandit to make an attack, but uh, I'm going to be spending most of all of Vander's uh, movement and action to catch up to everybody else. Please roll Bandit's attack. Uh, so Bandit has advantage. Uh, that's not going to hit, though. That's, I think that's uh, a 14. He growls and grabs onto a piece of this machine as it shakes, shaking Bandit around with it. And you almost hear the whimpering for a moment as he lets go, not able to get purchased. Nihilus, it's your turn. Nihilus starts to grab the railing with his hand concentrating on this cold sphere for another bonus action he's going to jam it into this machine on the east side on the bottom please make me another death saving throw that's a 13 13 barely fails so it will take a total of 7 vulnerability 14 cold damage as it just keeps jamming next to it now Nihilus he shouts out, everyone be careful, it's going to charge another pump of that blinding light. So he moves away from the railing, gets back into the room, and he uses his action to cover his senses, to take the dodge action, try to be ready for another one of those lovely deck saves as he ends his turn. The machine lowers its body, striking the ground again violently, exploding this radiant energy throughout the building, and everybody please make a dexterity saving throw. Ten. Nineteen, because of the advantage. (laughs) Twenty-one. Twenty-four. If you failed, you take sixteen points of radiant damage. That's a natural one, and Dr. Glass is down. This time, as it strikes the ground, the bricks are practically falling out of the walls, the inner layer. You can see the outer hull as it starts to compress from the air pressure outside. You can hear the kind of giving way of metal around the edges, and wisps of salty air start to seep in through the cracks in this hull. This whole place could be about to implode with the amount of damage it's taken so far as this machine starts to raise its body up yet again. As Nihilus did his best in order to focus on the dodge, he did lose concentration on the cold sphere because of that. Okay, noted. Trevor, it's your turn. Trevor, as he's being uh, knocked back and forth, he's... I mean, it's it's reminiscent of his own... uh, his old farmhand days... Uh, breaking wild horses he's just getting thrown around and he just knows the proper technique clasps his hands and he is just going to try and get this thing hurt as much as possible I doubt he even uh, sees Dr. Glass falling as this happens uh, he is just going to take a wild swing 
uh, as his hands are occupied, just swing his knee to the side of the chassis here. That is a 22 to hit. Uh, 22 will hit. That is going to hit for six uh, bludgeoning damage. And he is going to keep on going now, uh, sort of letting go of the of the clasp that he has to just start basically hammering down uh, twice with a flurry of blows, spending another key point. That is a modified 20 to hit and a 10. Uh, What was the total damage on that? That was six damage for the first and six damage for the second. And with my open hand technique, whenever I hit someone with an attack granted by Flurry of Blows, I can uh, make it make a saving throw. It needs to make a dex save or be knocked prone. That's a 23. 23. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll save. (laughs) This machine is very difficult to knock prone, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's worth a shot. He is just completely pummeling this thing as much as he can, just hanging on for dear life. That is going to be his turn. Dr. Glass, please make a death save. Esperanza, it's your turn. Do you mind if I do it with real dice? Uh, You absolutely can. It should be kept secret. Just DM me the answer. The building is beginning to leak salty air. Yes, you can hear the, the air starting to leak in. This whole structure is starting to become unstable. Then she has to move. She's pulling her sword out again. Now that she's raging, she is going to try and lunge into the next open joint that she sees. Thirteen. A thirteen won't hit. You go to strike into the joint, trying to get your sword with any sort of purchase. But all you hear is the mechanical clang as it's all hard things on the inside action search. She's going to look for another spot. Her eyes are going to dart around and she's going to find something. She's going to try and aim for it. Roll to hit. 17. A 17 will hit. That will be six damage to it. Six more points of damage. This machine... With all the damage you've done to it, it's still remain incredibly resilient. This thing is a massive hull of metal. It is almost impervious at this point to most of your attacks. What else are you doing? The best thing she can do, she's going to move 40 feet away. And because she had attacked it and she is mobile, it cannot take opportunity attacks. Okay. Vander, it's your turn. Did I hear Dr. Glass fall? You're close enough where you would have known. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I want to do. And you tell me if this is something that I can do. You mentioned windows earlier. Is there a window close by? There are three windows uh, right north of you. There's three more south. All right. In that case, um, looking around, I see this place is about to ostensibly collapse. I'm going to, uh, remembering back to the rebreather that I picked up earlier from the fallen water stalker. Uh, and <laughs> this thing's going to fall down. We got to get out of here. I'm going to turn back around, walk over to Dr. Glass, 
um, take the rebreather and put it on her. And then pick her up if I can and try to dive out the window. You get over to her, you put the rebreather over her head, tighten the mask, secure the straps. You get your own on from the, the man that you found. And so does Abigail. She secures yours, seeing in this moment what's happening. And she looks over and she says, We can try, but that's that's really thick glass. I know. I got some that might help. And if I still have the bonus action or action remaining, I, I have an a, a axe on me. I want to try to throw it at the glass as I'm running towards it. Okay. Uh, what's your total movement you can take in a turn? 60 if I dash. So in a full turn, because moving with Dr. Glass would be treated as rough terrain, you can get to the window on your turn, take your axe, and roll an athletics check with advantage using the axe. Natural 2424. Let's go, baby! I just want you to know that this Glass's DC was going to be above a 20 by a considerable amount because it is meant to be pressurized glass that can withstand the harsh effects of the saturation. You take the axe and you strike with such force. Maybe it's the adrenaline. Maybe it's the moment that just you need to come through with getting an escape. And the glass cracks crack begins propagating all the way to the top before it shatters out. Torrents of salty wind start flowing into the building. And at this point, everybody who's inside has to hold their breath. And Nihilus, it's your turn. It would be an action to don your mask. Nihilus getting ready to conjure more spells. Well, what do you need in order to conjure spells? You need your trusty old spell book. You need your experience. You need to shove your wave in the air. And you need to say to them holy words. The moment he's about to go cast some more spells. In his mind, it goes, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Uh, and he panics and... Dons his mask. That's his action. Okay. Uh, he tries to move. In a panic, he tries to move to the back of his room. He panics. He's out. He's at the end of his turn. Okay. This machine, having raised its whole body up again, slams down on the ground. This time, the entire outer hull starts to crack. It doesn't matter anymore because there's no more pressurized system. There's no more fresh air to breathe. The bricks start crumbling, the catwalks start falling, the pipes, the cables, the light fixtures, everything starts falling off the ceiling. This place is a death trap at this point, as everybody needs to make a dexterity saving throw. 17. Do I auto-fail or just have disadvantage? I forget. Rules is written, if it's a an attack and it hits, it is an auto-crit, which would mean two death saves, but considering that this doesn't take an attack roll, it cannot crit, and thus it only ever is one failed death save. That's one failed death save, then. That's right, because this is now an environmental effect. And now that the building is crumbling, it's 16 points of radiant damage if you fail, and two points of bludgeoning damage as well. Good luck 13 for Nihilus. Nihilus, all the way upstairs, with his mask on, falls down. As does Vander. 
I haven't taken any damage yet. <laughs> and I'm the one rubbing up against this robot. I tried, Dr. Glass. You were so close, Vander. Trevor, it's your turn. Uh, Trevor is in the heat of the moment right now. He's just going to keep fighting. It's it's not a smart decision, but it's what he would do. So that is going to be... That is a 15 uh, to hit. A 15 does not hit. You strike and it deflects and no purchase is made. Uh, he is going to use his last key point and start flurry of blows. Just first bringing in another hammer fist and then just rearing his head back for a mighty headbutt just to get himself in the game. First one is going to be a 24 to hit. That will hit. Second one is going to not hit 10. So he at least hits once. You are also still holding your breath at this moment until you don your mask. Mm-hmm. He's doing that. Actually, is we'll deal with that when we come to it. But that is another six bludgeoning. But um, with his open hand technique, uh, another thing he can do besides making make a deck save, which I won't do because that didn't seem to work last time, is just make it so he can't take reactions until the end of my next turn. Um, so as he rings this bell, both his and presumably, I mean, the robot can't feel much of anything, but in the act of personification, Trevor imagines his bell getting rung. Trevor immediately leaps off of the robotic creature. And now, with a bit of distance, move him a little bit there. He is now just looking around, seeing what everything is happening, like trying to get his beat on what's been happening because he has just been in the zone for a while and he doesn't know what's what. He just knows that salt is coming in and it seems real bad. As you strike this beast of a protector, even though it wasn't much damage, it's enough to send him past the halfway point and his outer shell begins to crumble. That gap in between that holds all of his mechanicals hangs a little bit loosely open. And at this moment, you can also see a central core of energy in the center. A power source. Are you doing anything else? Looking around, seeing we don't have much time at all. If something's going to happen, it's got to happen now. He is going to remain where he is, but his eye is locked on that power source. Depending on what happens by the time his turn rolls around again, he's going after it. But for now, it's going to be his turn. Dr. Glass, please roll a death saving throw. And Esper, it's your turn. Does Esper see this glowing source of power in his chest as she is running up to it. She would, certainly. Then Esper is going to try and reach in and rip it out. Please roll an athletics check. Now, I just want to clarify the importance of this. Uh, This could end the fight, or it could be dangerous. As you touch it, you can see its 
very powerfully charged. We don't have many options, and Esper is feeling the desperation of this moment. Sixteen. Esper, you grab onto the central battery core. As your hands wrap around it, you feel the electrical energy so strongly that your hand tightens around it against your will. It's so powerful that it flexes all of your muscles. It is excruciatingly painful. And you rip the battery out of this machine. And take 12 points of lightning damage. Esper, with all her strength, grips this core and yanks it back and with it, with the momentum, Esper tumbles to the ground and does not get back up. Combat is over. There, the salty air permeates the inside of this place. If you're not wearing a respirator, you should be at this point. And Trevor, I'm sure you would notice that Esper still needs hers first. Oh, shit. As he just starts hacking up along as he just begins to run over to them and is just going to real quick. I mean, we took the helmets off. I'm assuming he has one. He has one for them, presumably as well. He's going to try and get uh, get a helmet on her. You can do so. And if needed, you can also affix yours. This all can happen just moments after the fight. And that's when you notice that around you is complete silence. There is not the sound of a footstep or a voice, the sound of a body, the sound of anything but the wind that blows through the window. He just starts uh, racing his way up the stairs. He's going to start scanning, scanning, looking for any uh, leftovers, seeing if there's anyone alive, because he's getting really, really dramatic flashbacks right now. As you run upstairs, you first come across, besides, of course, Esper, who was unconscious on the ground next to you, You see Vander, axe in hand, laying on the ground with Abigail kneeling over him. Now, I think it would be to put the respirator on Esper and on yourself, and also to run up here. At least two actions. So, Vander, if you haven't already, please roll two death-saving throws. done okay you see Abigail kneeling over Vander she's frantically going into his jacket opening up the different straps and pockets and finally she takes out this little injection needle and she looks at you her eyes her face bloodied her eyes in a panic and she raises it over her head and strikes it into his chest And Vander, 
you come back with one hit point. Get up. Are you good to go? Still just breathing in. Dr. Class, is he alright? I need another one. Uh, she, without even consulting you, reaches back into the same pocket, takes out the second and only other, and goes over to Dr. Glass, raises it over her head, strikes it down. And nothing happens. Doc. And he's going to start uh, moving over. He's going to physically push Abigail out of the way. Hey. Hey. Wake up. And he's just going to, like, brush the hair out from in front of her face, just going like, Hey, hey, hey. No, 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 this ain't funny. Dr. Glass, you... You're standing in a large room. It's round, completely made of stone. The stone is just like that stone which makes up your cane, except it's all of the walls and the floors and the ceiling. In the center, there is what looks to be a pillar. As you look up, it holds up the massive ceilings of this place, one that you've never seen before. It has carvings on it. Carvings of life, death, war, famine, happiness, love. Every square inch of this pillar is covered. What would you like to do? I'd like to approach it. Do I have my limp? No. I reach out and I run my hand over the carvings. It's cold to the touch. And that chill extends almost to your consciousness, your head, your brain. It's like almost getting brain freeze. It's both physical and psychological. I pull my hand away. You hear a footstep on the far end of the room behind you, around one of the rounded walls on the other side. Does it sound metallic? No. In fact, it sounds familiar. I, I wait. The footsteps grow nearer until you feel a hand on your shoulder. It too is cold to the touch. It feels just like the stone that comes from this pillar. And... You think you're about to hear the voice of your Aunt Amalia. That's the feeling of the hand. That's the step of the feet. But as you turn, you see the visage of Validin. That is who she was expecting. 
Luminoth. Were you waiting for me long, Luminoth? He's silent. And he grabs your wrist in almost the way that somebody would grab someone's hand to lead them somewhere, but it's a firm grip. He's leading you. And it's not really your choice unless you are to resist. I think instinctively she does. There's not much of a thought in her head that she can, but she wasn't expecting force. I think the existence of force implies that she could get away. So just instinctively she pulls back a bit. Roll athletics. Sure. That would be a four athletics. He patiently waits while you struggle from his grip. And he doesn't seem to struggle all too much to hold on. But in a gesture of... Sympathy, perhaps. He puts his other hand onto the pillar to make it look like he's steadying his grip. And after you finish, he continues leading you until he gets to some of the depictions on this pillar. And as you pass rounding this wide-based, massive column... It takes a while to even walk a quarter hemisphere around. And you see depictions of familiarity as well as history. You see the visage of characters or caricatures that almost look alien. You see the depiction of artifacts and technology as well as the depiction of carriages and horses, it seems to tell a story, one that continuously gets told. As you notice, these depictions move slowly up the pillar. It's a snail's pace, but new ones emerge from the floor. It's as if the ceiling continues to grow. And finally... He leads to a spot on the pillar where he takes his other hand and puts his finger on one picture. And it looks like a simple caricature of you. A simple caricature of me. And it depicts you standing by an altar. It shows your cane in your right hand lifted high above your head. It's not a position you've ever found yourself in, but it's a position that he finds it important to show you. And all these images are moving very, very slowly upwards. A snail's pace. It, you'd have to put your finger on it to follow its movement. That's how slow it goes. You almost wouldn't notice if you weren't catching it. 
Is this it, then? What Abelard called the Nexus? Is this all of our experiences and thoughts? All the people like me? It's interesting, because as you ask this question, though no response comes from him, you get a feeling as a response. You feel every single angle within this circle tethered to the center. You feel voices that don't say a word, yet somehow scream all in your direction at the same time. All towards the center, all tethers to this room. Felix told me. He said he didn't believe we exist to break. What do you believe, Luminoth? You see, as Luminoth, Validin, whoever this is, takes their hand and lets loose your wrist and takes your hand instead and puts the other hand on it making a little clamshell with yours in the middle. And again, the familiarity to your Aunt Amalia can't be shaken. It's almost comforting until the hand clamps and it's almost immediately painful. So much so that you'd want to scream, but you don't have a voice in this moment. You feel adrenaline rushing, your heart pumping, You feel a panic set in as you almost, you know you can't be released from this grasp. I have this urge to uh, avoid screaming. You said I can't bite down. I don't know if I would feel blood in my mouth. Uh, But I do my best for whatever reason, again, instinctually to accept the pain. To take it in as part of me. The pain grows and grows until you feel like you'd want to jump out of your skin and soar through the ceiling. It's so terrible. And your vision around the edges starts going black, darkening, You feel like you might faint or pass out. That's how strong it becomes until suddenly your vision snaps back with Abigail kneeling over you. Though in this moment, as everything starts to come back, as feeling begins to come back, you can't help but feel that something is missing. Something was left behind. And Dr. Glass wakes up. Yes, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
analysis. I need to... I need to breathe. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm gonna go look for Nihilus. You run up the stairs. Though it might feel like this was an eternity, only seconds have passed since you just got your own shot into your chest. Everything hurts. You've been on the brink before, but not like this. You run up the stairs towards Nihilus. You run around the catwalk and into that large room with the table of board members. And I would say to make it this far, besides the two actions it took to get to Dr. Glass, it will take one more to get to Nihilus. Now, Nihilus, I think you might have already rolled some death-saving throws. Uh, two of them so far. Please roll one more. Now, I think it might be a good idea before you make that roll. His first death-saving throw roll was a two. His second death-saving throw roll was a four. Go ahead. Wow. Well then. Um... Vander, running up the stairs and getting to Nihilus, you slide down onto the ground in front of him. You don't have any more of these shots of health on you. Um, and you can feel Nihilus fading fast. He looks badly injured. This radiant damage seems to have shuddered his insides. He's pale, the edges of his skin singed in different spots, splotches of bruises all over. And his eyes rolling back. He doesn't look good. What do you do? Oh, boy. Buddy, I didn't... I didn't know you all that well, but you didn't deserve this. There's no one else here but me. It's just you. He's clearly in the process of fading. Now, you can do something. He's still alive. I have a way of... I have a way of helping him. I... Wait. I have an idea, but... I don't know if it'll work. The, The board member devices... Were they destroyed? The cables are all severed, but doesn't mean they can't be reconnected hastily. And I'm sure you'd have a helmet on you, or two. Yeah. I do. Uh, he's got a he's got a helmet on him. Uh, I can try to stabilize. So, uh, I I have a I have a healer's kit on me that rarely gets used, but I can try it. Nihilus had rolled a two for his first death save, a four for his second, and the third and final was a ten. And as you stabilize him, it's touch and go. You spend 
not just minutes, but tens of minutes, keeping him alive. You know, stabilizing through healing kit is patching his bruises, as keeping him breathing, as any time you see him fade into the abyss, maybe giving him a solid slap on the face to keep him awake. And... Come on, buddy. Nihilus is stable after a lot of effort on your part. And at this point, everybody else who is alive and walking would have probably made their way to witness Vander and Abigail working together, keeping Nihilus alive. And finally, he continues steadily breathing. I think he's going to be all right, but he needs help more than what I can give. We gotta get out of here. Go somewhere else. Go as far away from these wastes. We gotta find some place that's not just wasteland. What about all those people? What about them? Well, we're not just gonna leave them with that crazy guy. I mean... And she looks towards Vander. Uh, we have other helmets. I don't need that one back. You don't need that one back, but it's not the right thing. Am I properly conscious, or did I, like, do I have a hit point? You have a hit point. You can also take three points of exhaustion being brought back from the edge. Well, uh, do we, do we just let them go? Leave them? No. Of course not. Not leaving Hypatia. We have, we have to go back, but I'm not sure how well we could make it today. I don't, I don't think most of us feel very good. We can't stay here. I mean, Vander, tell them. We can't survive in here. Can't survive out there either. Abby. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling very hot myself. I, 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 how are you? How are you feeling? I feel better than you look. Well, that's always the case. Look, the bunker is two hours away. It's We can make it two hours. We can do that. I, th- I think I agree. <sighs> you know... The only real shelter this place had is gone. You know, so it's either we waste away here and try and lick our wounds, or we just take a chance and head to the bunker. If you think we're going to be mobile, or not... We're in the same amount of danger either way, so we might as well take a chance and maybe get to the bunker. The problem is what awaits us at the bunker. Perhaps Felix will take his rebreather and return his hostages, and that will be it. Perhaps he'll... And she trails off. Wes, does my hand hurt or anything like that? Your everything hurts. Fair. That that feeling in your hand might have been what 
brought you back, but that feeling is mirrored on every part of your body right now. You've just been clawed back from the edge against your will, and it doesn't feel good. I'm not saying no, I just wanted to broach that as a possibility. takes a little bit of time to rest from this fight. Put the rebreathers on. Properly secure them. And if anything good has come of this, these rebreathers are incredibly powerful. Fresh air comes in and bad air is expunged. That's the extent of what they do. They're just very good at it. And it doesn't take that much longer than it took to come here to get back towards the bunker. Vander, of course you lead the way. Bandit by your side. Abigail as well. And as you approach, you see the door is open. go first just I take the least amount of damage I can afford to take a hit or two right behind you alright it's just gonna hop down into the hatch not even bothering with the ladder you hop down and you see with the door being open and we don't know for how long the seal in this bunker is gone as well though Thankfully, of all things, the bunker can be closed. So, as you jump down, you notice some things. There's speckles of blood in various places. Everything has been tossed. Cots, materials, the bunks, cans, materials, all tossed. This place has been hastily exited and the last person to come in I suppose Esper she's the strongest one to handle the hatch can close it behind there's a seal the air stops rushing through and though you need to wear your gas masks for a little bit longer eventually it does become breathable you look around and The only thing here 
that's as you left it is that computer, that device that you'd been working on all this time. On it, Dr. Glass, you'll notice there is a can sitting on a small paper napkin. And you remember whenever you'd met meet with Hypatia, it was always her habit of keeping a napkin under her drink. This is a can. This is a message. As you approach, pick up the can and look at the note. You see written, I figured it out. Please be alright. Why would there be... Why is there blood? What happened? Where is everybody? And I come back in with the note. They may have been... rescued after a fashion? Though perhaps not the best of fashions from the looks of this place. Uh, looking, uh, at the entrance it's been a few hours and it's a windy, dusty salty desert so it's very possible that any footprints that had been left could have easily been blown over but we were gone for a few hours quite a few hours like probably close to six uh, considering we had a rest Have there been any indication of either footsteps coming to or from the entrance or perhaps even, like, tracks, like tire tracks even, from some treaded vehicle? Please roll survival. That is a uh, 16. Yes. A treaded vehicle. In fact, Vander you too would recognize, as Trevor points it out, these are the same tracks you saw originally heading toward the bunker. Something else, though, Trevor, piques your eye. That disc that was being held that projected Lady Elizabeth Vanthorn on the ground just outside the hatch... Looks like she popped in to check up on us, maybe. Do you do you think she took them? The only answer I'm coming to. Why? What kind of trouble did you folks get into? I thought we were doing something good. I thought we were stopping something that shouldn't have been stopped, and she she didn't like it. We were. She she didn't like it at all. We were doing something good, Esper. Don't worry about that. And the people who've just disappeared, with the exception of Felix, didn't have anything to do with it. They were just taken to punish us for messing with the Van Thorns. Damn it. 
How much do I know about the Van Thorn family? The Van Thorn family is probably the most intimately familiar one. There are four, and they are the biggest buyers of new sources of fresh water, as well as the most powerful on the island, as well as, and even in these days, people would know but never say the most corrupt. My, oh my. If you guys come afoul of the Van Thorn family, I'd, I worry for your friends. Damn it. Weeks of us sitting in here, being left for, for dead, starving, having so many questions, being stuck with that madman, our first ray of hope, strong walks into our bunker we finally have a chance of success and we come back for it to simply be squandered to bits damn it and he punches the wall as Trevor sees it he gets a pang of familiarity Alice we've been here before man locked us in a room Expected us to starve, then come on in and pick the bones. We've been here before, man. It's, it's not just about us anymore. But if if they are if they are still alive, we can find them. Because because we weren't here when they came. We're we're here, and we can. We can try to do something about this. We can try, can't we? But what's going to happen? We were taken away so easily before. (sighs) Well, I think we've got a few more cards we can play at this point. Looks over at at the tracks he was examining. We got a direction. We got at least a some place we can start walking and we know we know our enemy more than we did before that's not nothing i would i would bet you anything that they think we're dead too that we got lost that we we didn't have enough supplies to be able to make it i bet you they think we're dead out there Dr. Glass closes her eyes. This is a... She doesn't know what to expect. She just knows that Felix has powers that she doesn't. She just tries to listen and tune in to the nexus, to the consonants of it, and see if he somehow left her a message. You... Close your eyes. And Nihilus, by the way, while while this is happening, also having seen the message, you see the computer is in full working order. And there's a word flashing that says play with a little Y slash N. Uh, and Dr. Glass, when you close your eyes, maybe there's no message left behind by Lord Felix Royce. But for the first time, having used your powers so frequently, having been 
in a fight for survival all the way through now, you hear a low, ambient rumble, a hum, even. And in this moment, you can tell that there was something about that that Lord Felix Royce was tuning into. You can feel its resonance. And maybe not today, maybe not now, but someday, with practice, you too may be able to be the one reaching out to it. Look, it's working now. Three bloody weeks of me trying to figure out this computer and it's coming to more than a dot. And now it works. And he types in, yes, presses enter. You see a little waveform that appears projected on the screen. Whenever a voice speaks, it too moves. And you hear... Our archaeologists have found something really interesting over in the jump. Apparently, like some old tech, real old. Anyway, these eggheads have put this thing together, and they're calling it a computer. Whatever that means. Well, they're making us do our logs here now, because apparently that's something this thing can do. So, first log. Hooray. And it cuts off, and you can then, if you want or discuss, press next. Wait, is this what Hypatia figured out? She didn't mean the... Yes, sorry, Nihilus, go on. I assume so. I tried my best for the past few weeks. She's been an excellent help. It must have been. I don't know how or what she did, but she got a whole lot further than I did. All I knew was its name. <laughs> Yay. But look, there's more. And it types in next. Enter. Word from the coast is that the mist came early. I have a shipment of spices coming to spice up all the dried meats during the mist, and now none of that. It's going to be a long time. Well, I guess <laughs> it must just be the air that's spicy then, huh? And it cuts off. And there's a next button as well. Lila looks towards the rest of the party. Next. Right. I'll just try to let it play as much as I can. <laughs> what is it even about? And he presses next and tries to get himself a bit comfortable with the barrel to sit on. All right. Uh, the mist is different this time. The Arcanists are reporting that they're not able to send messages, which, whenever there is a mist, eh, it, you know, that's, that's how we communicate. So I guess besides bland dried meat, I'm not going to be talking to my family for a while. Ugh, this is going to be a long one. It cuts off. What, what are they talking about? Is he presses next. Enter. Well, the good news is I've misplaced the user manual for this thing. Oh, wait, that, that's not the good news. Uh, the good news is uh, I found the user manual for this thing, and uh, looks like lever one, lever two, press simultaneously lar- launch flares. I don't know what we need those for. This is a research base, but regardless. Uh, and lever five and lever one uh, seem to be able to conjure short-range messaging. 
convenient. Uh, I guess we don't need our couriers anymore. And it cuts out again. That could explain how someone found this place if they send a flares. He types in next, looks at the rest of the party before he press enter. Yes, go on. All right. Uh, It's been several months now, and normally the mist is over at this point. Uh, And it's not. So the, the food deliveries have started to run a little bit dry, and I don't know why, but it's starting to feel a little bit, like, heavy in the air. Uh, anyway, that's all for now. Uh, the, uh, the Citadel says nothing to worry about, so I'm not worried. Not worried. I am absolutely not worried. And it cuts out. He, he, um, their saturation came early. Like this saturation came early. It had lasted longer. And they, they were calling it simply a mist, not saturation. Vanda, in your experience, your history, has this happened before? Have you heard about this before? As far as I can remember, it's always been known as the saturation around here. Well, it sounds like the mists were fundamentally different. Not as big a problem if yeah. what was coming for this person was heavier. Yeah, yeah. He, he was having no problem breathing it. And then all of a sudden, it gets heavier. It went from a mist to a saturation. How old would this be then? He presses next. Enter. I've been here for six months, and I've had some people come and knock on the door. And I wanted to open it. I really wanted to open it, but Citadel says don't open it. So I don't open it, but there are people out there, and I'm not expected to just leave them there. They say don't open it, so I'm not opening it. Uh, I'm not opening it. And it cuts off abruptly, almost in the middle of his words. So six months? Lasted six months. Got worse. Does that mean... Is the saturation going to get even worse? It's already not habitable. Did the Citadel order people not to open their doors so that others outside... What were they researching? This was clearly from long ago. I mean, it has to be a different Citadel, not the same Citadel. Well, maybe it is the same Citadel, but different people. It cut off. Is there more... Presses next. I'm spinning, spinning around, nothing to do, just dancing, dancing around. Where to go? <laughs> Old man lost his mind. That's not helpful. <laughs> Presses next. <laughs> Well, welcome to my radio show, and I just wanted to tell you that there's no more reports coming from the Citadel, and they told me not to open the door, and I, I didn't, but today's the day, 
nobody says anything, then I don't have to listen to them, right? Isn't that how it works? And it cuts off. That's how everything shut down, I guess. Is that the last... Sounds like it's... You go ahead. Is that the last transmission, the last entry, Nihilus? Part of me hopes so. Presses next. End. just an X flashing indicating no more. Well, that's certainly depressing. Mm. Nice of him to turn on the computer to record that, though. Do we see Wes? Can... Are there any files or anything? Do we have any indication of what was being researched there? Or It sounds like this was a government facility but do we know why that guy was here in the first place? Please roll investigation with advantage. You have everybody here with you. Uh, good, because the first roll was a one, and the second was uh, 12 for a total of 15. There was a lot of time spent here, and if there was a document to review, you would have reviewed it by now. Though, what's interesting is, looking at this computer if that's what it's called, um, you're able to interact with it. And you start with typing in the letters help, and it gives you some more commands. And finally, you're able to find your way to slews of text-based documents. And oddly, many of them are corrupted. In fact, they don't look like corrupted like a computer might have. You see sprawlings of mad words from somebody who has gone over and overwritten. Somebody has gone to town on these and made them almost illegible. Stories and songs and depictions of all sorts of crazy ideologies. Though, what is there what few words you can gather do piece together a bit of a story that this was a place that housed and researched artifacts that were found below ground. Oh. Oh. Um... Looking around, do I see any sort of levers like what was mentioned in the audio recordings? Uh, what specifically are you looking for? Uh, the third entry, I think, mentioned something about the first and fifth lever doing mm-hmm. something with... On the control panel, you do see a set of five levers, combination of which is now telling you that first and second sends flares and first and fifth sends messages. Do you think that man, the the Lord Felix, do you think he figured out how to send a message to somebody? I think Hypatia did. But 
Who does it go to is the question. Only one way to find out. Is it? Would we even send? We would... If we are to play dead, it would fail to do so if we send a message. Well, this is... We would let people know that we're alive if we try. Well, Mr. Vander could send the message. Talking about finding an empty bunker or one with a bunch of corpses in it. That's not a bad idea. Only most of my ideas are bad. Every now and then a good one gets through. I wouldn't be down on yourself. I'd say like half. Oh, that's lovely, Trevor. Is that something you guys want me to try to do? Uh, if, if we're all quiet and, and they, they don't get a clue that we're here, maybe we could find something out that way. All right. We should likely resolve to leave immediately afterwards either way. Are we ready for that? And Nihilus takes a step towards Vander, puts his arm on his shoulder, uh, his other hand grasping his holy tree, and he casts guidance on him, uh, a warm feeling on his shoulder. He says, We already owe you. I'm ever grateful for your help, truly be willing to send the message to, so we can find out what it does perhaps it can be advantageous for you too but try not to put yourself into more danger than you already have and he looks towards Abigail uh, Fanda's gonna look towards Abby as well well I'm never doing anything without getting your input what do you think girl I mean you're the one who taught me everything. I thought you'd have the answer, but I don't think it's a good idea. I, I'm glad that we helped these people. You're, you're great. I, but I don't want to be in trouble with the Van Thorns. Abby does make a pretty valid point. I've gone my whole life trying to avoid any sort of altercation with those who live down below. I am sorry about your friends. But I can't risk I can't risk Abby like that. I understand. It's okay. Truly. Then we we have tracks to follow. We can still we can still do this. You don't have to put yourselves in more trouble with us. I think you'll get it. I think you'll be okay. You're all really resilient and I think you'll be fine. So, what are you, what are you planning to do? Chase him to the end of the earth. After a good night's rest, hopefully. Or two. I hope you know who you're dealing with. The Van Thorns aren't... They don't push over very easy. Nihilus look, Nihilus looks Vander straight in the eye and he says I don't care they have my mentor and other good folk I'll do my darnest best to bring them back from these evil people they have a 
damning control over this this place, this island. So many unnatural things, evil things going on. It might it had already cost my almost my life so far, but I'm still breathing. Thanks to you, I'll try my best to continue to do so. As I continue to try to do the best that I can. This is the vow that I make. I will continue to chase them and try to help our allies to the end of the earth. Uh, them Van Thorns, they like to hide behind their money. I think it gives them a shield. But uh, right before we met you, we met a few of them too. Uh, Constantine was his name. Not sure if he was actually a Van Thorn or if he was just one of them toadies. But, uh, their next break is easy as any others. I, I want to thank you, though, for doing what you did for us. You, you literally, you put your life on the line. Helping us out. And whatever we do going forward, I ain't never going to forget that. Use a brother in arms to me. I appreciate that. Um, look, I, I fully believe in paying it forward, and I wasn't joking. I wasn't stretching the imagination at all when I told you, Dr. Glass, that I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for this little girl here. She saved my life and changed my directory that very day. So if helping you folks... Get your friends back. Get you out of this waste. If if that evens the scales, even the slightest, then, well, that's something I'm glad I was able to do. But that said, I I do want to caution you all. If you're in an altercation with the with the Van Thorns, then I highly suspect your destination, your journey's going to take you to the Citadel or to the heart of Crow Perch and look I don't I don't know how familiar you are with this island or the city or, or how it works but uh look there's people there that won't give two shits about you they'll take any advantage they can if it helps them out so if you head to that city you, you better watch your backs and we'll have yours maybe I don't want to talk to the Van Thorns but and she looks towards Vander, seeing that she blurted out, seeing, seeking permission to continue. Never need my permission, girl. And if you're ever going back into the wastes, we're here. Happy to help. We might charge a fee next time. You know what? That's, <laughs> that's fair. Well, hopefully next time we have money. Oh, that reminds me. Um, I know it's not coin. I do have something for you, Abigail. And he crouches down on one leg, grunts ever so as he does from all the pains and sores that he has. And from his pouch on his backpack, he grabs a book about identifying plants. Um, it's it's just a read of mine for doing my travels. I've read it twice already so far. Perhaps uh, it could be entertaining for you. It's a little way for me to say thank you. I appreciate that. 
She takes it, she sticks it into her bag where she keeps all of her personal things, including that wooden puzzle. And she too takes something out. And she hands you a small uh, wooden effigy. What exactly it is, is hard to tell. But you'd have to investigate it. She simply says, I found this in one of the old buildings a while back. Didn't know what it was, but it looks important. And I think you should have it. Thank you. I appreciate that dearly. Uh, well, once I'm not bleeding internally, I'll <laughs> take a good look at that. <laughs> good luck, guys. Bander, can we go home? Yeah. Yeah, I need to rest up. I'm going to have to ask you to lead the way. I'm still feeling pretty, pretty busted. You up to the task? I know all the paths, all the maps, and all the ways. And she, with a skip, even looking a bit hurt, she still skips ahead and grabs Bandit, throws Bandit over her back using a makeshift strap she's had in the past, and begins climbing the ladder with you following behind. Good luck, guys. Stay safe. Happy trails. Fill up on some water. Thank you. You're honorable folk. Don't be afraid to look me up if you get to the city. Now, I would have to presume, let me know if I'm wrong, that at least for one night, we would have to rest in this place. Esper, coming back into this room that you've been in, laying down, looking at the ceiling, aching everywhere, that shadow, that wall that you drew that picture on, it it's there as you look towards the ceiling lying back there's no candle behind you but a shadow is cast by you to the ceiling it almost looks back at you you feel its presence not as hostile Slowly reach around to the pack and inside for the familiar um the night vision novas not unsure if there's even any charge left we'll slip them on and try power it on with the night vision novas on everything is illuminated somehow yet the shadow remains just as dark in that spot. And you feel this similar feeling to when you were on her royal rose and you had a vision of the citadel. When you were later having a vision of the citadel again, but continuing it. You feel like when you fell asleep and imagined the party and what would happen there that feeling comes to you in your conscious form the shadow looks down on you almost as if telling you you can do this if you want you feel that coming from it there's moments where Esper is trying to shut her eyes away from it but every time they open them again they have to check and see if it's still there and it still is and 
The feeling that comes from it is confusing. And it all the same does scare Esper just a little bit to the point where they very quietly in that room are just shaking their head and biting back an overflow of emotion. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really hard. It's scary. What it's telling you is you can at will use your divination racial features. Uh, and its presence telling you, you, you know, basically it's available to you. If you're choosing not to, that's different. And I'll, I'll let me know then. Esper is going to wait several hours until everybody is quiet. There isn't much noise going on. Um, and then they'll give, they'll give in. And they'll do it. And what are you looking for? I want to know if the people we left here are in the hands of the Van Thorns. You close your eyes and then open them. You hear the sound of a gramophone emerge in your right ear, the sound of a fireplace in your left, and you look down and you are holding a knife. Your other hand is bloody. In front of you is a chair with somebody tied to it. You immediately recognize the back of this person's head. It's Ken. It's Ken. And not feeling control over your limbs, what you do have is the ability to be observant. Please roll perception. A natural 10 for a 9. The knife is elegant and well-made. It's noble in its make. Its blade glistens like it's been breamed. The arms are bruised and scarred, long-heeled but with very many of them. The clothes, as you look down, are leather and of a thick caliber of a professional. Straps, buckles all over the place that keep everything affixed, weapons and holsters. And the blade is being twirled against the finger on the other hand as he steps forward to the man in the chair. And you hear, Well, well, yet another that I'm going to have the pleasure of introducing myself to. And as he turns around the chair, you see Ken has been heavily bruised up already. I'd ask you what it is your friends are doing here and why they've been meddling 
in the business of the Vanthorns. But I take it you'll just tell me everything I've heard. Stop. I don't know. It hurts. And again, please roll perception. Could I also possibly ask on the prior roll, was there any hit of a window? Natural 20 on this perception for 19. You see as he turns his head around the room, not really looking this man in the eyes as he speaks, you see no windows. In fact, it feels dark and cold despite the fireplace maybe a little bit damp, almost underground with a natural 20. The floor is stone, the walls and ceiling are stone. This could have also previously been a mine cavern. Though the fireplace is grand, there's a carpet, there's a beautiful armchair, it's clearly of a noble cut of cloth. And he takes the knife and brings it down to the throat of Ken... So maybe I'm done asking. Maybe I don't need you anymore. And you hear Ken. Look, I... I... I just work on the ship. And I met this great guy. We're friends. Right? Trevor, we're friends. That's all. That's it. We spoke for a bit. I've told you everything I've known. I've told you everything I know. And... And you're not going to let me go, are you? Nah. Of course not. And you feel your hand tighten around the blade as it enters in one side of his throat and exit the other. Is the shadow still on the ceiling? Like a bad dream, you almost try to shake your way out of it and emerging for just a moment, like squinting your eyes, just barely parting them, you can look up towards the ceiling in the room you're in and the shadow has grown larger. It's it's wrapped around the room almost with its arms and legs around you, its shadows protruding all the way from ceiling to floor and you can either choose to stay in the dream or shake your way out of it. I think Esper needs to leave it. And as if trying to pull yourself out of a chasm, out of a well, you emerge back into consciousness as the shadow fades away. And that's where we'll end today's session and season.
to roll for impact.